If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. Um, uh, if you're new with us today, we've been journeying through the book of Colossians, uh, walking through our series entitled Jesus Over Everything, uh, talking about uh, what it looks like to uh, indeed uh, make Jesus right supreme, preeminent in our life, first place in our life through uh, what Paul uh, gives in his letter to the churches at Colossae. Uh, there, the encouragement that he gives there. And so we're wrapping up our series uh, in chapter four today, uh, walking through his uh, final words, right? Final call for uh, his people and for us in here. But before we do that, you know, I just want to recap some of what we uh, had talked about. Uh, making Jesus first place, right, is saying that uh, you're dying to yourself, right? Uh, and you're letting Jesus be the Lord of your heart. And so he leads, right? So he's first place, right? Personally in your heart and life. He's first place in your home. He's first place at your workplace. He's first place in the decisions that you make from, uh, you know, your, your checkbook to, you know, your, your work life, whatever that looks like. He is first place. He's first place. And Paul encourages, right, us uh, to make him first place because it's when we make him first place, right, that we understand what life is truly uh, about. Uh, in this letter, right, chapters 1 and 2 that we looked at speaks to the theology slash doctrine uh, that we need to understand, specifically the doctrine of Christ, right, who Jesus is. You know, there was uh, some mix-up pertaining to who Jesus uh, truly was. And so Paul highlights that there, talks about how, hey, he's the image of the invisible God. He's God. Right. And uh, and so we need to understand that chapters one and two speaks to that. And then chapters three and four speaks to practical living, how we live uh, for Jesus right in our day to day life. And so we wrap up here uh, in Colossians chapter four. I'm going to read verses two through six uh, and then speak just real briefly to the final greetings portion there, verses seven through 16. Uh, and then we'll dive into uh, the sermon. And so if you're there, Colossians chapter four, verses two through six, let me know that you're there by saying there. If you don't have a word with you, the verses will be on the screen. But this is what uh, the word of the Lord says, it says this, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Verse five, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Uh, verses 7 through 16, you can read on your own, but it's final greetings to folks there in that context, right? Folks that labored with Paul in the ministry. Uh, he's uh, sending, he sent a couple of folks over there, a couple of names you may recognize, Onesimus being one, Tychicus being the other, sends them to Colossae to encourage them, uh, right? Encourage the folks that have boots on the ground there, but also, right, encourages the people that are already there, man, to keep on going. 
Keep on going in the faith. Hey, encourage one another. And you see other names, right, that he speaks to directly. He speaks to uh, Luke the doctor, right, which is Luke that wrote the gospel according to Luke, right, one of the disciples. Also was inspired to write the book of Acts, right? You see that character there. But essentially, Paul is looking to encourage the saints there to continue going, which I find super encouraging, right, because Paul, in this context, is in jail. Man, if anybody had a reason, right, to just say, you know, just to decline looking to encourage folks and look out for himself, it was him. But still, even while he was locked up, man, hey, he sought to encourage other people. Man, that's a sermon in and of itself. Uh, Man, we ought to not look to ourselves, man, but look to encourage others, no matter what season of life that we're in. But we see here, give final, he give final instructions to us. I've simply entitled this sermon this, hey, final words. Final words. Uh, Verses two through six essentially are Paul's final words to the church there. Right. He may not ever see them. He's never met them, as we talked about earlier, but may never see them. Right. He may end up dying. And so these were the final words he gave them, the final charge that he gave them. And it's the charge that he gives to us as well. Final words. Won't we pray together? God, again, we come to you just thankful for your word, God. Thankful for your truth, thankful for the ministry of uh, the Apostle Paul and um, God, his testimony, how you saved him from the depths and used him to do great and mighty things. I pray, Lord, uh, God, that you would encourage us with that reality, Lord, that uh, even though we may have stories or testimonies, Lord, that are similar to Paul's, where we were far, far away from you, Lord, you are able to redeem, restore, Lord, and use us uh, to do a great work for you. God, I pray over these next few moments as we walk through, Lord, uh, Paul's final words uh, to the church at Colossae, Lord, and his final encouragement to us, Lord, in this book. God, I pray that we would hold closely to them, Lord, and put them to practice in our life, Lord, understanding that this is part of the Christian life, Lord. It's what you've called for us to do. It's how you've called for us to live. And Lord, we ask that you would be glorified today. We love you. We thank you. And we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Final words. If you think of some famous final words, you know, whether it be in your life or, you know, movies that you've seen, right? Last words, Um, that have been said or last words that you've said to somebody before you've departed from them, right? Those are pretty meaningful. They're meaningful. And in the same way, Paul, in these last few words, man, they're meaningful, right? Meaningful words of encouragement that he looks to uh, give to uh, these Christians here, man, encouraging them to continue on in the faith. Super important. Super important. And we see here that he gives two charges, really, just two charges, uh, in his final discourse to the church at Colossae, man, two charges. The first charge that he gives uh, is this, man. He charges for the church at Colossae and for us, right, to pray constantly. Pray constantly. That's what he says in verse 2 there. He says this, continue steadfastly in prayer, watch, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. If you study that word, Brother Ryan, that word steadfastly literally means, right, so that phrase, continue steadfastly, literally means to continue obstinately. Obstinately. Now, so you might have heard of that word obstinately. You may know the definition of it. It's usually used in a negative connotation. It literally means bullheaded, stubborn. 
You may know some people like that in your life. Hey, hey, listen, don't don't put nobody on blast, though. Don't don't hey, don't call anybody out now. But you may know people like that, right? Stubborn, right? Bullheaded, and not going to take no for an answer, right? Even hey, even though man, you know, right, that you, you may not be correct, but you fall victim to that. That's that's where I'm at, right? Whenever I talk, you know, I talk about my Cowboys all the time. Dallas Cowboys fan through and through. I bleed blue, bleed blue. Listen, I know, Brother Tiny, they're going to let me down at some point. They're looking good right now, but I know they're going to let me down at some point. I know they're going to raise my blood pressure at some point, you know. But I'm still going to root for them. I still have hope that we're going to win a Super Bowl in my lifetime, amen. You know, obstinate. You know, hey, that's bullheaded. Because the reality is, it may not happen. It may not happen. Right, but it speaks to, hey, this unrelenting attitude. That says, hey, I'm not going to take no for an answer. Hey, I'm not going to quit. That's the word that Paul uses here whenever he speaks to prayer. This reality of praying constantly, praying constantly, not giving up on prayer. So in short, what he means is this. Hey, as followers of Jesus, the call for us is to remain in prayer. Is that what your prayer life looks like? Remaining in prayer man, being constant in communication. I know for me, man, it doesn't. A lot of times, man, hey, prayer is more of, of a drive-by than it is just simply, you know, being there, present there at the time. Man, I'll say a prayer, man, if someone's sick, say a prayer if there's an issue, say a prayer over my food, right, that it'll bless my body even though I'm eating nachos, you know, with chili cheese and all the, hey, you know, man, pray that it bless my food. But, but I struggle with being constant in prayer. Listen, Paul gives the call for us, man, to be constant in prayer. Paul, out of everybody, knows about the power of prayer. He's seen it in his life, right? You may say, Pastor, where's he seen it? Remember Acts chapter 9, man, when he sees God, he's blinded by the light, man, has the encounter with Jesus on the road, right? And he ends up, his life ends up getting changed. The Bible says he was blinded and a dude named Aeneas came and, and met him, right? And prayed over him, commissioned him. And it said that these scales, like, like scales from his eyes, came from his eyes and he was able to see and he was called to do ministry. You remember Acts chapter 12? Paul probably remember that as he was new to faith. Acts chapter 12, man, P- Peter was locked up. There was a whole host of people, right? A whole host of disciples that were praying in this house, house of prayer. And all of a sudden, man, they hear a knock on their door, Brother Dwayne, and there's Peter. Got freed up because of the power of prayer. You Remember Acts chapter 16, whenever Paul was locked up with a couple of his close buddies, right? And, and it says that they were singing and praising and praying and all of a sudden hey the jailhouse literally rocked literally shook they were freed up folks got saved right because the power of prayer paul understood the power of prayer hey listen do you today do you today if you do man hey the call for us the call for you is to choose to remain constant in prayer there is great power in prayer because that reality man paul calls for us to pray Constantly. Here's some quotes on prayer, right, uh, that I found encouraging and convicting uh, that we ought to hold on to. Right. First quote from Billy Graham. It's on the screen here. It says this true prayer. Hey, is a way of life, not just for use in cases of emergency. Hello, man, that's convicting right there. Like I said, I like to hey, pull out the prayer whenever I need it. Case of emergency. Make it a habit. And when the need arises, you will be in practice. And prayer. Here's another one in case, you know, that one didn't really rock your boat. Here's another one from Max Lucado. Look what he says. It says this. Our prayers may be awkward. You ever been there in your prayer life? Man, sometimes you just don't know what to say. 
Right? Seems like you're fumbling your words. Our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. But hey, since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. And so, hey, let's choose to pray. Let us pray, church. Let us pray. Let us be a praying church. Paul gives general direction on how to pray. You may say, Pastor Irv, how do we pray? You know, you've got the Lord's Prayer. Jesus talks about it in Matthew 6. That's a great guide to follow. But Paul here in Colossians 4 gives us a general, you know, guide on how to pray. He says we can pray in three specific ways. Number one, we see that we can just give general requests to him. General requests. Right? It says here, hey, continue steadfastly in prayer. Hey, it's just a general call for us to man to, to pray. Man, we can take our general requests to him. Those requests, right, they consist of, man, hey, our personal relationship with God, right, our our prayers for friends and family, prayers for certain needs in our heart and life. We can take those general requests. Hey, no prayer is too small, man, for God to hear. No request is too small for the Lord to hear. So we can take our general request to him, right, personal walk with God. We ought to pray, man, that the Lord grows us in him. Like what Peter says in 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18, says this, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, hey, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But hey, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hey, to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Man, we ought to pray that the Lord grows us in the grace and knowledge of him. Hey, that's a spirit work in our life. Hey, we can't manufacture spiritual growth. I've said that before. You can't manufacture it. You ought to ask for the Lord, man, as you spend time with him, walk with him. Man, for him to grow you in the grace and knowledge of him. Listen, we also ought to pray for our friends and family. This is good. This is good, Brother Jackson. This is good right here. Hey, the best way you can minister to those around you, your friends and your family, is by way of prayer. The best way you can minister to, man, your friends and your family is by way of prayer. You may say, Pastor Irv, man, really? I thought we ought to share the gospel. We're going to talk about that here in a minute, man, about sharing truth, man, encouragement, sharing the gospel with folks. But, hey, the best way you can minister, man, is by way of prayer. And so we ought to be taking our friends and family to the Lord in prayer. Number six, 24 through 26, the uh, ironic blessing, the ironic blessing. Says this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Man, we ought to pray for the blessing of the Lord, you know, over our friends and our family. Man, take them to the Lord in prayer. Man, that's the best way we can minister to them. And then also, man, personal trials and circumstances. Man, Psalm 55, 22 tells us to cast our cares on the Lord for he can sustain you. Some of you are trying to walk through, man, some of these circumstances and your issues all by your lonesome. As if God isn't on your side to help you through it. Man, if you know, if you know the Lord, man, he's on your side. You can take this, this stuff to him in prayer. And he can walk with you through it. He, he may not take you through it. Right? He, he may not move you through it, but man, he'll, he'll help you get through it. He, he may not remove it. He'll help you though. He'll help you as you walk through it. Man, take it to him in prayer. First Peter 5, 7. Cast your anxieties on the Lord, man, for he cares for you. Man, we ought to take our personal trials and circumstances to God because he hears you. He hears you. Hey, you want to know a good way, right, to, to understand that, man, we love God and, and, you know, this whole Christian thing is for real? By our prayer life. By our prayer life. 
And so, man, we ought to take this stuff to the Lord in prayer. And when Paul says, hey, being watchful in it, being watchful in it, man, he's speaking to being watchful of God answering that prayer. Listen, we, we don't just throw up prayers aimlessly. Right? God isn't just some genie in a bottle. Right? That we just throw up wishes and hopefully he'll answer those requests as we throw them up to him. No, we, we pray expectant for him to answer and respond with thanksgiving. And by the way, as we know this before, I'll go ahead and throw this in free charge, Brother Tony. Hey, I'm just, I'm just going just go and give it to you. Hey, by the way, right, choosing to be watchful with thanksgiving, right, is choosing to understand that, hey, however the Lord answers it, hey, however his will may be in our life, even though he doesn't answer it the way we want to, we want for him to answer it, we're still choosing to give him thanks anyway. Choosing to give him thanks anyway. Man, being watchful with thanksgiving. Expecting for him to answer. Because he is going to answer. But even if it isn't the answer that we may want, hey, we still choose to give him thanks anyway. We ought to give our general request to him. But secondly, right, another way that we can pray, growing our prayer life, is praying for the ministers within the church. The ministers within, right, the local ministry. Look at what he says here. He says this, at the same time, pray also for us. Paul talking about himself, but also, man, those that were part of his ministry. Right? Hey, one way you can pray is to lift up the ministers here within the church. I got to thinking about this, Pastor Greg. This, you talk about humility on Paul's end. Hey, listen, Paul was the dude. He, he planted all these churches in Asia Minor. Right? He was the one that God used, man, to, to, to reach the, the Gentiles. Connect with the Gentiles. Along with Peter. Right, he, he wrote, man, more than half the, you know, the, the New Testament, wrote a lot of the New Testament. This dude had said in Acts chapter 19, man, the Spirit of God was so on the people that folks were touching this dude's handkerchiefs and getting healed in Ephesus. Crazy. This was the guy. Yet still, hey, he understood that he needed the prayers of the saints to continue to go forward in ministry. He knew good and well that, man, it wasn't going to be, here it is, it wasn't going to be by his own power or his own might that the work of the Lord was going to be done, man. He, he knew it was going to be of the Lord. And so he asked for prayers, man, for him and his team as, as they were in jail and as they were doing ministry. And in the same way, can I just be honest with you? Hey, the best way you can minister to myself, Pastor Greg, Miss Gracie that leads our students, Miss Erica Cook that leads our, our kids' ministry, best way you can minister to us, hey, is by praying for us. Lift us up in prayer, man. Take us to the Lord in prayer. Hey, listen, I, I ain't too proud. What's that old line? I ain't too proud to beg for prayer. We need it to continue on the work, man, of the Lord. And so listen, man, you can lift up ministry. Best way to minister to us, man, our whole staff, Alyssa included, leading worship, man, is to pray for us. It's at the end of the day, we know that this is spirit work. It's not about acumen. It's not about how much knowledge we have. It's not about how long we've been doing this ministry thing, man. It's spirit work. It's it's about his spirit at work in us. And so we need, man, for you guys to lift us up in prayer. And then thirdly and lastly, hey, another way you can pray constantly, right, is, man, you can pray over, man, the ministry. It says, hey, give up general requests, pray for the ministers, but also, hey, listen, pray for the ministry here at Talton. That's what he said. Look what he says there in the text. Hey, pray for us that God may open to us a door for the word, man. That God would open us a door for us to be able to share. It, whether it be here in prison 
Or bless God, if he can release us, man, that we continue to, to, to be about the work and sharing the gospel with folks. May open us the door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Man, hey, this church, this ministry, hey, hey, we it needs your prayer. It needs your prayer. And so we ought to continually pray for this church. Again, like I've said before, church, we're not merely consumers here. We're so glad that you're here. So glad that you came to receive the word. But listen, if you're in Christ, man, you're not a consumer. You're part of the team. Part of the team. And man, being a part of the team, obviously, yes, is serving, but it also is praying for the word. Praying for the word. And so listen, we ought to choose to pray. Most effective ministry to Tyler Town, man, are your prayers. Man, continue to pray that God would open up a door to this community for us to continue to reach it. Man, pray for the folks that are connected with this community, that they grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, man. Hey, we ought to continue to pray for the ministry. Zechariah 4, 6. I just quoted it earlier, but I'll say it again. Then he said to me, hey, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And it's a spirit work. So here's the question before we move on to the second and last one. Hey, are, are you in prayer constantly? What does your prayer life look like? Man, prayer is difficult. It is. It's tough. It's so hard to find a quiet moment to pray. Whether you wake up in the morning and try and spend time in prayer or you pray before you go to bed, man, it's tough to stay awake. And labor in prayer. But hey, listen, prayer is so important. Again, it's the most important ministry that we can do. And so listen, we ought to choose to pray. This last quote by E.M. Bounds, it says this, Prayer should not be regarded as a duty which must be performed, but rather a privilege to be enjoyed, a rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. Man, isn't that so true? I want to be like the, the, the psalmist, Lord, that, 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 deni- that um, delighted in, man, the presence of the Lord. Hey, when things were tough and they were crying out in pain, right, in agony, or times that they were rejoicing, hey, they delighted in just being in the Lord's presence, spending time praying. Prayer wasn't a duty for them. Man, it was a delight. And may it be to God that that's our prayer life as well. Man, Paul's first final word to us is to pray constantly. Is to pray constantly. And then secondly and lastly, right, Paul's final word to us, it's right here in the text, is this, to be a purposeful witness for Christ. Number one is to pray constantly, but secondly, right, the second final word that Paul gives us is to be a purposeful witness for Christ. Look back at the text. It says it right there. Make sure you know I'm not making it up. Look what it says. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, right? Outsiders, those are, that are not a par, part of the household of faith, lost folks. Walk in wisdom towards them, making the best use of the time. Hey, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Listen, as we journey on in this life with the Lord, the call for us, man, is to walk With purpose, understanding that our purpose is to be an intentional witness for him. We're called to pray constantly, but also we're called to be a purposeful witness. By the way, that word wisdom in the original language, right, is the word uh, Sophia, 
which literally means cleverness, you know, cleverness or skill, right? This call for us as children of God, man, is to walk, you know, skillfully, cleverly, to, to be intelligent, be, be understanding, right, of our surroundings, who we are, who, who we're around, right? To have an eye on understanding that those that we're around may not know the Lord and choose to engage them with the gospel. Man, the call for us is to walk in wisdom. You may say, Pastor, how, how do we do that? How do we walk in wisdom towards outsiders? Well, hey, I'm glad you asked. He lays it out right here on how to do that. Two ways. He says, number one, hey, in order to walk in wisdom towards outsiders, you've got to understand time management. Time management. He says, hey, making the most of the time. Making the most of the time. Literally means redeeming the time. Understanding this reality that, hey, Whenever you go out in the world, you're always on display for him, always on display for him. So make the most of the time that you have. Make most of the time that you have. I love this uh, excerpt from Dr. Scott Pace, which speaks to this reality. It says this, because we are God's children, right? Our lives are meant to be blameless and pure as we stand out as faultless in a crooked and perverse generation. So that we might shine as like stars in the world. So we've got to understand that we must be careful not to camouflage ourselves by adopting to the world's principles or patterns. Instead, we should conduct ourselves honorably in the world so that others see our good works and would glorify God. So literally what what this means is understanding that, hey, time management includes right engaging with lost folks, hey, here it is, this is good, without engaging in the lost folks' lifestyle. Hey, making the most of the time is it choosing to understand that you're around lost people and the call for us is to engage them. But at the same time, choose not to engage in their lifestyle. Like we're camouflaging ourselves. We're called to stand out. We're called to stand out. And hey, that's the best way we're a witness for him. We see precedent, man, throughout Jesus' ministry. That's what Jesus did, by the way. You remember John chapter 4, right, when he encounters that woman at the well? Later that's been married five times, you know, and is living with, you know, a sixth partner. Far away from God, far away from God. And Jesus encounters her, right, begins a conversation, is intentional in his conversation with her. Man, she ends up getting saved. And it says that, man, she left Right, that jar symbolizing the empty life that she lived. And she went into her village and told everybody about this Jesus. And it says that many came to know him as a result. And because of Jesus' intentionality there. You may say, Pastor, man, that's just one example. Hey, there's another example. John chapter 8. Hey, remember when the Pharisees brought that woman to be stoned, right? That was in the act of adultery. Jesus, hey, you know, he could have followed along with the Pharisees, the, the accusation, right, according to the law. You know, admitted that, hey, she deserved to be stoned. But Jesus said, hey, he who has no sin cast the first stone and forgave her right there on the spot. It's intentional in his interaction with her. And this is the same call for us in our world. Not just living life aimlessly, man, knowing that we're surrounded around people that don't know Jesus, but choosing to engage them all at the same time and understanding that we're set apart. And, hey, it's when we choose to engage with lost folks and live this life that's set apart in Christ that we shine like bright lights for him. Folks, notice. 
That whole be in the world but not of it. That's the call for us, man. Time management. Time management. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says it this way. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Time management. Are are you intentionally engaging with lost people around you that need to hear the gospel? We see, right, that being an intentional witness is time management, but also, secondly, we see here that it involves speech management as well. Paul tells us to let our speech be seasoned, be gracious. Right, in the context here, it speaks to sharing the gospel, right? Uh, it, it, living as a witness for the Lord, but this speaks to, man, every part of our life. What Paul's saying here is this, hey, whenever we engage in sharing the gospel with somebody, hey, our tone matters. Hello. Our countenance matters. And the call for us is to be a people, man, that, that are gracious in our communication with folks. You, you've probably met some people, man, that are, can I just be honest with you? Brother Sam, can I just be honest with you? You've probably met some people, man, that are just flat out jerks whenever it comes to sharing the gospel. Flat out arrogant. Condemning. I remember in high school, man, there was a guy like that that shared with you, know, some of the OGs in the room that have been with us in Town for a little while. You've probably heard this story before, but I remember in high school, my senior year of high school, just got saved, been saved, you know, a few months. Had an opportunity to lead, you know, our FCA, little huddle, you know, there at the school, man. God was doing a work in my life, ended up calling me to ministry not too long after that. But I remember there was a guy from a different denomination, you know, that, that came and sat at our little lunch table. You know, we had that lunch, you know, our lunch tables, you know, there at school and Came and sat at our lunch table. I'll never forget, Brother Dwayne, man. We get to talking. I say, what's up? He says, what's up? And, uh, you know, he says, hey, Irv. So yeah, what's up? He said, hey, you know you're going to hell, right? True story. I said, I said, no, I don't. Why don't you please explain to me? How? And we end up having a conversation. And it ended up being, hey, it ended up being pretty combative. Not going to lie to you. Weeks on end, right, of, you know, I felt like I had to defend, you know, my position, my stance, if you will. I was one of those dudes that was, you know, real zealous, you know, after God, man, real zealous for the truth, you know, so I had to defend myself, man, we're getting, we're starting to yell, man, hey, that vein's popping out, that's when you know, hey, that's when you know you're going to get serious, that vein popping out your head like that, popping out, man, hey, it was serious, it was serious, and listen, at the end of the day, hey, here's what happened, nothing, hey, I was already saved. I knew I was saved, secure, but I wasn't going to convince him any other way through an argument. He wasn't going to convince me any other way through an argument. And the folks that were around us that weren't saved, they were probably more turned off to the gospel than they were before they came and were part of that. Meaning this, hey, it's great to be zealous, right, for the God. We ought to be, man. There ought to be a fire that, man, burns in us. Man, because Jesus is our first love and what he's done for us, man, we ought to be zealous for the truth in his gospel. But hey, don't, don't mistake choosing to be zealous for, man. Hey, thinking that you have permission to be a jerk, be arrogant, man, and, and choose to be condemning whenever you engage with a lost person. Because at the end of the day, man, hey, you're not going to see anybody come to faith like that. Pastor Greg, I've, I've never, maybe I'm wrong, maybe you can correct me, but I've never seen somebody won to Christ through an argument. The call for us, as Paul says here, man, is... To let our words be gracious and seasoned with salt. Gracious, man, speaks to this understanding, being kind and considerate. 
Right. Having a conversation. Hey, Brother Ben, instead of talking through somebody to get your point across, hey, speaking to them, speaking to them, having a conversation with them and kind, consider, hey, seeing them as Jesus sees them. man. Someone who needs the hope of the gospel man, that Jesus loves ought to be kind and considerate, but also seasoned with salt, man, speaks to compelling. Right. Uh, having fervor. Bless God, hey, this gospel message, man, if we believe it, we ought to share it with conviction. We ought to. It ought not be, <laughs> it ought not be some boring monologue that we give, as if we're reading, you know, Shakespeare or something. No, no hate to Shakespeare. You know, those that like Shakespeare. No hate. No, we got some English folks in here. My bad, Brother Ben. You know, Ben's an English teacher, one of our deacons here. My bad, Brother. But it ought not be like some, you know, book or something that we're reciting for class, man. Hey, we, the gospel message ought to be rooted in our heart, man, so deeply, man. And we ought to believe it so deeply that we ought to be able to share with conviction. Man. That's what Paul's speaking to there, man. Compelling. Compelling. If you believe, man, in this God and believe in the gospel that saved you, man, then share like you do with love and compassion. A couple of quick proverbs here that we see pertaining to speech management in large, man. Something that we all need to be reminded of. Proverbs 15.1, good principle here. Hey, a soft answer turns away wrath. Hey, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And then Proverbs 17.27, hey, whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Understanding. Instead of choosing to be hostile, condemning. Choosing to use zealous as an excuse to be a jerk whenever you're sharing God's, hey, listen, man, understand that we're called to be folks that are gracious with our speech. Gracious with our speech. In closing, and then I'm done. Love this quote that I read just last night, actually. Right as we wrap up this series, as Paul gives his his final word, and I think it really speaks volumes to. what I hope for our heart to be as his people uh, in these days. A guy named John Bacon, you know, who, uh, big-time artist in the 18th century, um, he said this on his deathbed. He said this, What I was as an artist seemed to be of some importance while I lived. But what I really am as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is the only thing of importance to me now. Who I was as an artist, pretty famous artist, man. Hey, I thought it was pretty important, man, as I lived life, man. Now as I look back at my life, man, really the most important thing is the fact that I belong to Jesus. And listen, I want to be able to say that at the end of my life as well. Man, I got to do some cool stuff. Made some money, figured out this whole adulting thing, you know. Man, survived a pandemic. Oh, man, I, hey, I got to do a lot of cool things. But, but at the end of the day, what was most important was that, man, I knew Jesus. And I made him known. Hey, by the way that I lived my life, man, choosing to pray for people constantly. Choosing, man, to be a witness for people 
choosing to share the hope of Jesus, right? Not just with my lips, but with my life, how I live. I want to look back at my life and say, man, I was able to do that. That was the most important thing in my life. And my hope and prayer is that we would choose to do the same thing. That we would choose to do the same thing.